In a time where we are overloaded with information at a pace that seems impossible to keep up with, we can feel overwhelmed and it's hard to know where we stand in this world, what we should strive for, what's real. I believe there's great power in sharing truth, vulnerability and authenticity. And in my line of work, I've had the privilege of connecting with exceptional human beings who have achieved some pretty magnificent things. Some have been lucky, but most have experienced adversity and pain, yet have found a way to triumph in their actions with some great stories, humor and wisdom along the way. I want to share the love, knowledge and the stories that have inspired me straight from the source. My name is Sharon Joel and I'm an entertainer and storyteller. I'm here to serve you what's real, the people and their stories. These are the real ones. For the finale of season two of We Are The Real Ones, we have none other than world tennis champion, coach, best-selling author and commentator Yelena Duckett. What you may know about Yelena is that she is, of course, a tennis superstar, having defeated Martina Hingis at the age of 16, providing one of the biggest upsets in sports history, playing major Grand Slams, including the US Open, Australian Open, French Open, Wimbledon, and achieving top four in the world, as well as representing the country in the Olympics. What you may not know is that she has endured so much more in one lifetime than anyone should ever have to. A refugee child not once, but twice, escaping war-torn Yugoslavia, moving to Australia at a tender age of 11, enduring poverty, racism and extreme psychological and physical abuse at the hands of her alcoholic father, whilst achieving greatness in the tennis communities worldwide, is an unbelievable story to be told. The courage to pull away from him and face her demons, working throughout managing her depression and suicidal ideations, and share this with the world, is awe-inspiring. You would have most recently seen her in the news online and commentating for Wimbledon and beyond, speaking up against fat-shaming trolls and in support of Ash Barty's familial support, which she did not herself receive. This is a timely conversation given what's happening in Afghanistan and Haiti at the minute and from the perspective of a former refugee twice. Yelena shares so many truth bombs here as well as perhaps surprisingly managing to always find the light through the darkness and simple joys to help us get through lockdown number six. You'll be excited to hear what she's got coming up next too. Well, we are at episode 10 of We Are The Real Ones of season two, and I really wanted us to go out with a bang in this season. And this person I've had on my mind for many years. I met her about, I would say maybe four or five years ago at a beautiful women's empowerment event. And she blew me away with her authenticity and honesty and frankness about her life story. I myself am not an avid tennis fan, but it doesn't matter. I'm an avid human being fan and this person in particular um, has shown so much courage and resilience in her lifetime. I'm just um, honoured to be in her presence. So welcome, Elena. Thank you. That's very kind of you. I don't know how I can beat that intro. <laughs> um, that is so lovely. So thank no, you for that. <laughs> you know, every, every day, like, um, you know, I love that you're more active on social media and now than I think it's kind of ramped up in the last couple of years. It's such a great privilege for us to have that insight into your life because, mm-hmm. you know, to a lot of people, you're kind of like, unatta- you're kind of unattainable. You're world champions, but you really show that you just like all of us. You go through the same things as what we go through. Um, but we've got a lot to learn from you. And I just want to ask you mm-hmm. how you're going now. Like we, you and I, we're celebrating our 200th day in lockdown. I shouldn't laugh about it, but I mean, if you can't laugh, I don't know what you're going to do. Um, no. In Melbourne, a 200th day now, how are you dealing with this sixth lockdown? Yeah. Look, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's been very hard for everyone. And, um, you know, after what we went through last year, you know, we were pretty much the only state in Australia to go through such a long lockdown last year. Not sure that 12 months later we thought we would be, you know, um, again, like this is our, what, third, uh, fourth lockdown just this year alone. So, yeah, look, it's it's hard and, um 
but I think you have to look at it positively. I think you've got to find the positive things where you can and um, try and, I think, have a routine and occupy your time during the day. And, uh, you know, sometimes just watching the news and the TV and sometimes even just news on social media, it can really get quite um, depressing and it can get you down. So I'm just trying to at times also be aware of that and stay away from that as much as I can. And, yeah, look, it's hard, but I think uh, I'm, I've always been about, you know, believing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that's what we really need right now. Um, and yes, it's difficult. Uh, I'm trying to be grateful for what I for what I do have, because if you look at the news, there's a lot going on right now and a lot of, you know, things in a lot of places that are, you know, as... as as surprising as that might be, it's a lot worse than what we've got. So I'm trying to be positive. I'm trying you, to find you really the, the, the gratitude, really. You've done so well in finding that because it is like I'm with you. It is sometimes you sit in that misery and it makes it worse and you kind of and, and, you, and it's almost like you allow yourself to feel the trauma of what we've gone through in the last year. But then you're right, you turn on the television and, and I hope mm-hmm. this isn't triggering for you as a, as a former refugee yourself, mm-hmm. but this what we're seeing in Afghanistan and everywhere around the world, like, is is exacerbating the pain, you know, because it's that level of helplessness. I don't know if you're feeling mm-hmm. that as well. Um, mm-hmm. Living over here, not knowing what we can do, wanting to help, not knowing how to help, you know, trying to mm-hmm. approach MPs, doing all that stuff. You've got a platform as well and, mm-hmm. and you speak on it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but just so much pain everywhere around the world, wherever you are. And so I'm really grateful for your contribution in trying to keep everybody cheered up. Like you don't have to do that. You can, <laughs> I've been like off social media as well um, because I can't cope with it and, and not the, mm-hmm. I'm not watching the news as well. But you still go mm-hmm. on there and say, I'm so grateful that I'm able to have my cup of coffee on my balcony. And it's mm-hmm. such a beautiful, because you're so right. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're at home, but like we've got mm-hmm. all of the luxuries and amenities and everything they're available to us. We're free. We're in this country. We've got the ability to, to connect with other people in different ways, obviously, and earn, and do all of that sort of stuff too. But I can imagine it's like digging deep for that. It's an active choice um, in everything that you do to stay above that line and, and that level. How are you feeling about the stuff that's happening in Af- Afghanistan? Oh, look, um, well, my last post, I wrote a little bit um, uh, about that. That's what I'm trying to use, um, you know, social media for. I only started that um, literally the, like three years ago, um, going into releasing my book. And I thought oh, I'd, I'd get on Instagram and I, I thought, you know, it gives me um, a bit of that opportunity to um, be creative, but also, you know, since I've kind of come out with everything in my book and I thought oh, I'll, I'll use the platform to also, um, you know, raise awareness of things. I've got that platform to speak up and that's what I try to do. And I also try to be just real and authentic and vulnerable and I think people relate to that. Um, So I did that, uh, you know, also in my last post because, uh, you know, I'm not trying to tell someone, look, um, we're still got so much to be grateful. Yes, we do, but people still find it hard and that's normal. You know, 200 days in lockdown, it's tough, right? Um, but at the same time, yeah, look look what's happened in Haiti and, and that's been, uh, you know, hard to watch as well on top of COVID and, and then obviously Afghanistan as well, which, um, you know, I, I was a, a refugee. I was a refugee twice. So, um, you know, I know, I know what war looks like and I know what war feels like. So um, that's been... Uh, you know, hard to to watch also what they had to deal with and those pictures and those images coming out of the people just, you know, clinging, trying to just um, survive and trying to, you know, um, still live to see another day, literally. So that's why I feel like even a post, like you said, of, you know, I have still as bad as it is, you know, we can come out and get a bit of sunshine and have a coffee and People still, a lot of people can't do that. So that's why I'm just trying to um, emphasize that and try to make feel people feel a bit better that yeah. we do still have some things to be grateful for because you got to find the positivity and light in that. Yeah. Um, it's important uh, because that's the way I think we get through things. If we can find a couple of things in our day that we're grateful for, our health, you know, our family friends that we still can call and connect with you know getting out and and being in the sun uh, you know it's still things that are sometimes we take that for granted you know because we we all usually live such a busy lifestyle and forget some of those things so I'm just trying to 
um, you know, make it a little bit easier for people if they can find some no, joy in that. Absolutely. Um, it's as yeah. simple as you're, you're, you're so right. Like because you're heavy thinkers and we're complex things, but it's as simple as that is identifying mm. one thing which opens your mind to other mm. things to be grateful for. You're so right. Yeah. What I love as well about you is it's even harder. We all know it's harder for people that are predisposition to mental health issues, right? And you're very honest about that in that mm-hmm. it is a slippery slope and a difficult if you do have depression or anxiety, you, you're probably experiencing it more now during mm-hmm. this time. Um, and so being mindful and aware of that and then making sure that you try to stay above that to help yourself in any mm-hmm. way. And there's absolutely no shame when it comes to mental health stuff. If you need help by way of medication, by therapy, by like whatever whatever's required. But the fact that you're so open and honest about that, I, I would know that you would just touch so many people and people will resonate with that because to a lot of people, people would look at you and go, her life is just, she travels the world, she's a, you know, world, she's a champion, she's an Olympian, she's a commentator, she's a coach, she's a writer, she's all these things. But at the core of it, you are a human being and your life journey is incredible. I've read your book and I recommend everybody uh, read, read Yelena's book, Unbreakable. I cried so much during that book mm. and I think like this is the thing that I feel personally the world um, we could always have more of is empathy mm-hmm. um, because when you really hear about other people's stories and this this goes to what's happening in Haiti and Afghanistan and everywhere else in the world as, as well as if you actually like try to put yourself in someone else's shoes or try to understand their story, you will have a lot more compassion for human for human beings. And one of the, I think the first time I cried in your book is when I, when um, you were, I think you were like eight maybe and you saw a, a dead body and mm-hmm. you didn't really know what that meant and then you realised mm-hmm. what it meant afterwards but it was just like that's what you, a part of your life mm-hmm. and, and your bro- the broken place you, you were born into um, mm-hmm. and then you obviously moved to uh, Serbia, right, and, mm-hmm. then, and then came to Australia in 1991, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so what are oh, your, Australia. No, I can yeah, I can just try it ninety one. Ninety one. What what are your yeah. memories of that time if it's not too triggering? So I know your brother's like he's like set, he's he's quite a few years younger, isn't he? He's like seven. Yeah, eight years, years, younger. years younger. Yeah. Yeah. So he mm. would he would have been was he born then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah, he was born then. He was three years old when we came here. Yeah, right. Yeah, look, I I think um for me that was the second time we kind of had to leave and we kind of had to escape. So Coming to coming to Australia for us was, um, you know, it was uh, it was such an opportunity really for a new life, you know. Um, but for me, things were, you know, they were still tough because when you're coming to a new country, it's a it's a bit of a culture shock, and I had to learn the language. I didn't know, you know, two words of English, so um, all of that um, it can be very difficult, especially when you're young and when you're constantly moving and and, and changing environments and countries, um, especially at eleven. Um, you're kind of already uh, aware of war and situation and what's going on. So that can be very tough. Um, and obviously on top of that, and a lot of people that know my my story and my book know that I was also dealing with a lot of abuse and domestic violence in my family. So all of that, um, yeah, look, it was tough for an 11-year-old kid. Um, definitely made me, you know, grow up a lot quicker um, than probably most 11-year-olds. But, yeah, look, I think in the end... Um, it's made me who I am, you know, it, it, it's, um, it, it really makes you grow up um, a lot faster, it builds character. I think I'm, I'm really tough and resilient because of a lot of those things as hard as they were. Um, but yeah, look, I, I feel like I'm very lucky that I've been able to come to Australia and make this, you know, home and, um, you know, it gave us an opportunity for a new life. And I'm not sure if we went, I don't know where else, whether that would have happened. So it really gave me um, a, a tennis career as well. And that never would have happened if, if, um, if, if we didn't come to Australia. So um, I'm very grateful that in the end, somehow that worked out and we were able to come here and um, I was able to, you know, really pursue my dreams really of being um, a tennis player and trying to be the best that I can be and uh, be able to, you know, create um, better, a better life and better opportunities. And, and Australia has been, has, has given that to me. So 
Yeah, look, I know that, and that goes back to our conversation about what's going on now. A lot of people don't have that opportunity and are not that that fortunate. So I feel like um, we, you know, and and I um, and my family were fortunate that we were able to settle here and have that opportunity. Yeah, I, I mean, when I read, when I read, I know you as an adult, but when I read that book, all I see is your inner child and I see a, a, like a, a child having to go through all of the trauma which you've raised and we'll talk about more throughout your life. And I just, it just, my heart hurts so bad because I just can't even imagine what that would be like. And obviously you've had a lot of help and a lot of insight and you've, you know, done the work on yourself emotionally to go, yeah, look, in hindsight, this has made me who I am. I'm tough and resilient. But I just cannot dismiss like how hard that would have been even at that age 11 12 like we know what we're like at that age it's not an easy option to leave a country in hindsight it was a great opportunity for you but you've got your friends like you've got family Mm -hmm. all of this that you've just got to at that age when you you know that stuff matters especially to a young Mm -hmm. girl let that go and come and I think that's really important because to to realize because people sometimes think with refugees and asylum seekers that they just want a better life and there's an element of greed or something here it's not a lot of people would love to live in the country they live in if they had better circumstances there politically or if they weren't you know, death wasn't imminent at that door. At their door, they, they mm-hmm. want their kids and their family to say, but it's not really an option. It's a, it's an incredibly traumatic thing. Did you feel like at that time you were carrying that trauma? Did you? Because because I can't even imagine like knowing your parents. I'm a daughter of immigrant parents, ethnic parents. Like mental health wasn't is not a conversation in our household mm-hmm. or trauma or anything because of the fact that they'd gone through so much worse to get here in the first place. So like mm-hmm. everything else was kind of minimized. It's like you're, you're lucky you live here and this and that, whatever. Mm-hmm. But did you carry that trauma in those years now looking back? Um, look, I, yeah, it's definitely hard. And I go into that a little bit in my book as well about, um, you know, leaving your, your friends, um, and even leaving some family behind. I mean, my, my grandfather was, was killed. I didn't know the last time that I would see him, that that would be the last time. And I was extremely close to him. Um, so yeah, it's really a fight for survival. And it's really a fight to literally live another day. You just don't know what's going to happen. So, um, yeah, look, I think I, uh, I, I think I do have um, pain and trauma, and probably had some even fear later on in my life because of certain things that you experience um, when you go through war. And I talk about seeing my first dead body when I was eight years old, and and it was shocking. And and you just like, as an eight year old, you're thinking, well you know what's what's happening here you grasp that concept of what war is um very quickly even though you're eight i i do remember that so um yeah look i i uh, i think a lot of my uh, pain and trauma does come from the fact that um you know what what war was war created like i said i've had other issues dealing with obviously my father with abuse and domestic violence and then um later on it turned into having depression and anxiety and almost committing suicide so i think a lot of that kind of contributed to it but um um yeah look it's not easy it's not easy to and to leave a certain place and especially um you know, you ha- you do have a lot of people, and you do have a lot of refugees that do it a couple of times. It's just sometimes what happens um, until you're able to settle in somewhere. So, and that's what happened. Um, that's what happened in my situation. So, you never really actually kind of feel safe in a way. You know, you're always kind of ready. Well, will I have to move again? Will I lose my friends again? Um, you know, what's next? Both times when when we left, we literally pretty much had what the clothes that we had on our back um so that's um that's um that's quite a shock i think yeah. especially for for kids and i think it's something that does shape you um uh, that does shape you later on and that's why i'm very that the message also what you talked about social media and what we're going through now you know this is tough no, there's no doubt about that even though maybe someone out there might be going through worse things, like we mentioned, mm-hmm. what's going on in the world, um, that doesn't mean that it's still not tough here. But I'm trying to, you know, every single negative experience, I'm trying to turn it into 
finding a light or some kind of positivity in it. That's what I'm um, trying to also send out the message. And I think with the response that you could see in my post, it was almost like, well, that's what I needed. Yes, it's tough, but let's find something positive. Let's find the light. Um, let's be grateful, um, you know, for, for something that we do have that someone mm-hmm. else might not have. So it's just, I think, trying to turn a little bit the situation, making the most of what you have, because I think at the end of the day, that's what you need to survive. That's what you need to be able to get through it. Yeah. When you're younger, I feel like um, potentially robbed of your childhood, especially given your family dynamic, which you've touched upon as well with the domestic violence um, at the hands of your dad. And I would say alcoholism as well within your family unit. Did you feel that you had a duty given that Savo was uh, so many years younger than you to protect him as well? When you say you grew up before your time, was that an element of it as well? Yeah, look, I, he's, there's a, a difference there. So, yeah. you know, while I was already going through a lot with my father from an abuse perspective and um, I, I, I go into that quite a bit in my book and I think anyone that's read my book will know just how open and honest um, and vulnerable and raw I was and for some people at times um, it was quite confronting and yeah. at times hard to, to read but they still say you know I was still turning the page and I wanted to know more um, but that's what I wanted I said if I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do it you know a thousand percent I'm, I'm gonna you know um, say it the way that it really was because um, you know, not a lot of people come out and speak up but also not a lot of people have that platform so I thought oh, I kind of had um, the opportunity to do that. And I, I felt like I wanted to to give voice also to other people that are going through that. But yeah, with my, look, I was going through a lot of um, abuse already by the time, you know, my, my brother wasn't even, even born yet. Um, but um, yeah, I always felt like, I always felt quite protective um, as well, although he never went through anything did, um, okay. that I went through. Yeah. He didn't at all, which is, um, I'm grateful for that. So um, he had completely the opposite. Um, but, yeah, it's hard um, when uh, when you're going through that and then you also kind of, I was starting to get, um, because there's an eight-year difference, you know, by the time he was, you know, three, four, five, I was already where I was quite aware of what was going on and, and you just obviously want to, as an older sister, I kind of yeah. always felt like, you know, you want to be protective. But, um, yeah, I'm glad um, he didn't he have didn't. to go through anything. That's so lovely yeah. that that's because it is hard to, if you're there's only two of you in a family dynamic and then one of you went through and the other one didn't, but you're a beautiful person. You don't want your brother to ever have to go through the pain that you had to. Why no. did you, and I think it's incredible that you did, and how did you know you were emotionally ready to tell the whole truth? And to to tell it publicly to the whole world, was this part of your, say, therapy, your journey? Like, what made you do it? Well, I actually, um, like, even literally 15 years ago, I felt like, you know, I always wanted to write a book about my experience. And, And there was a lot of things from abuse to domestic violence I was bullied at school as well um as you said a refugee mental health battles and I always felt like you know I I want to talk I I want to talk about this I want to write about this the only way I can do it properly is if I actually come out um and and write a book and and talk about it in my words so 15 years ago even 10 years ago I wasn't ready I really wasn't ready so whether it was the fact that I was you know just young whether it was that it was, I think, a little bit also it was um, still quite fresh. I was still going through certain things. Um, so I think, you know, me writing it a couple of years ago, I was finally ready to do that. And, and I think I, I matured. I think I dealt with certain things and certain issues. And uh, like I said, something that I always wanted to do and thought I would do one day, I just wasn't sure when that would be. So, yeah, we started kind of throwing around ideas uh, about you know four years ago, we actually wrote it fairly quickly within twelve months, which is fairly quickly for a book, especially a book with so much content like mine. Are you ready? And to tell uh, it? yeah, ready to tell it. And uh, I actually, you know, writing it, I never thought about what it would do, what um, you know, <laughs> who would read it, yeah. how much attention it would. I never thought about that at all. For me, it was um, okay. Let's. I, I want to tell my story, and if it helps, and I say this at the end of a book, if it helps one person mm-hmm. that they can get something helpful out of it, I'm, I'm happy. 
you know, it's, it's, it's job well done. And I just wanted to, uh, I feel, I felt like there's a lot of people out there that are probably going through maybe something similar that they can relate to, but they don't have a platform, you know, their voice might not be heard. And I also did, you know, I never really saw a lot of stories or books where people have openly talked about it. And I felt like, well, you know, I feel like I can do that. I, I feel like I can maybe give a bit of strength also to someone else that's going through it. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to just help someone be able to tell my story. I did not know that it would also be very cathartic for me. And um, uh, while the whole process of actually doing it was very tough, um, reliving everything, and there was a lot of things that I actually didn't even realize I didn't deal with, and the book helped with that. It was very, very mentally draining, very, can, very hard. I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, but the, the day that the book came out, it was like the yeah, best what day feel of like? my life. Oh, was it a relief, like, like a, a weight? What? Yeah, this huge weight was yeah. lifted, like yeah. off my shoulders. And a lot of people that have known me before the book came out, they said that I'm a different person since it's come out. Like yeah. um, that before I had no light and uh, in me and, and the sadness in my eyes and that now it's it's shifted and changed. So, and I do feel like that as well. I feel like um, it's changed a lot. And, and I, I get such, um, uh, I get so much joy from the fact that, um, people read it so women men have read it parents uh even younger kids have have read it all different age groups uh and it just uh it's it gives me so much joy when they actually talk about it in a way that oh it's really helped me or you know open my eyes to certain things uh this is something that I can use going forward it's just such a a joy when people read it and 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 say something positive about it where it's actually helped them that's all i wanted to get out of it and and i just never in a million years would have thought it would be not just because it's a bestseller but just the fact that it would get so much yeah positive you know feedback and people even 3 years on now it's like still so many people reading it. It's yeah. like um, it feels really, really good. That feedback it's, as well, they, yeah. that it's not just even the reading of the book. It's like the going to the effort of finding you, contacting you and connecting with you and telling yeah. you how yeah. that's changed their life. I read a lot of autobiographies and I've never read one that's as raw as what you put out there. And mm. I think you've, you've maintained that anyway, like in everything you do, you mm. make sure that you're that open and honest. But um, I, I cut... I, if it was one person you were trying to affect in, in a positive way, it's not, it's like millions. There's so many people that have read this book. Um, and I always, and that, that relief, like I can only imagine because I know when I was, um, you know, when I knew about you and you, you, you're excelling, you're like, you know, the, the, the star, the champion on screen, on the news and we'd read it. And then we'd hear little bits and bits of stories of your dad and, something happened or this happened or what and it, and it almost felt like and we all have them every single person has these like ugly family secrets mm-hmm. um that we all try to hide and like try to minimize we don't really want people to know whether it's alcoholism domestic violence or whatever it is when that came all of it came out I'm sure the penny dropped and I'm sure that within the circles that you're in mm-hmm. a lot of people knew what was going on but to the general wider public um for everyone to kind of understand that must be such a relief to kind of just go this is all of me this is all of mm-hmm. me and this is my whole life now I feel like yes now I can go forward I don't have to explain anything to anyone and it is what it mm-hmm. is yeah, he did. And, and I feel like people that are genuine um, tennis fans, but even, even people that are not, they, they, you know, going back in my career, they know certain things that actually um, uh, you couldn't even hide because of how, you know, yeah. how um, the way that he was and he became, he became, you know, public, even though in the end he wasn't even 5% of what was actually going on behind closed doors. So, um, that was always hard throughout my career because it really overshadowed um, uh, people at times, even in my book, they were like, well, I actually didn't even know you were ranked that high. I, I you know, because they were, I was associated quite a bit with what he was doing and that was hard. It was overshadowed. A lot of the stuff that I did in my results, uh, people were like, well, I knew, yeah, I knew you were excellent, but, but oh, yeah, really, I forgot that you were ranked that high or you know, that you did that or that you did that. So in a way, you know, it's really kind of also um, 
it's really clarified, I think, mm. a lot of things for people and why things were the way that they were. Um, so, yeah, it's been um, really good to, I think, also get a lot of those facts out and, and, and to talk about that. And, um, yeah, look, in the book you get me and you get all of me and all of my story. So, And, and you get that on Instagram, and like you said as well. Look, I'm real, I'm authentic. It's a great way to live. It's a great yeah, way to I, live, honestly. Yeah, like, I'm, yeah. trying to be genuine and, and just tell you the way that it is yeah. and yeah that's what I I just can't believe uh, I don't know how yeah. you did it how did you actually do and achieve everything you did despite everything that was going on I don't want to say was it I don't want to say was it a catalyst to push you to the level that you went through but what can you explain your mindset around how you achieved what you achieved in that space with everything that was happening around you yeah, look, I, I was always a, a pretty competitive person, even when I was younger. And obviously, tennis is a very competitive and individual sport. So a bit through that, I think it built quite a bit of resilience and, and quite a bit of um, character. It makes you quite tough. But uh, I think that's my kind of whole philosophy in life, you know, um, for a very long time, uh, because I battled um, also depression and anxiety and everything, I really didn't, it was very hard to think positively. And also with domestic violence, um, you lose all of your self-esteem and confidence um, by what you go through. They really beat you down, not just physically, but um, emotionally. And uh, you really uh, you, you really have um, no confidence and belief. So I worked for a very long time on changing that and not being negative and being positive um, and, and trying to find you know always um something that will make me push through and continue to try and get through the hard times so i think it's all about i i genuinely b believe in you know constantly just i think you have to uh continue to fight and it's not necessarily that tomorrow's going to be better but it's that you're going to get stronger and better at dealing with tomorrow and you're going to be stronger than you are today i genuinely believe in pushing through things even when it's extremely difficult and you feel like you're not getting anywhere tennis is a little bit similar you get you have a lot of losses um and a lot of tough times so I think it's it's kind of built up over the years where it's just perseverance and resilience and just keep going through it um, and keep getting through, you know, day by day. And sometimes, yes, you, of course, you're going to feel like giving up and, and you might fall and fail and that's okay as well. But as long as you get up that one extra time, even if you fall 100 times and fail 100 times, if you get up 101, 101st time, um, that's what's important. So I don't, people often focus on not failing or not losing or not, it's okay. It's not about that. I think failure or falling or going through something, it's just a step to something better, a step to something else. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think I'm just you always said, trying to, I'm, I'm trying to follow. Yeah, you are. Positivity. I can hear <laughs> in everything you say and what you do, but you said once um, tough times don't last, but tough people do. And I've held that with me through every like bad time or whatever happens and you feel like it's the end of the world and it's like why me and it's easy to fall into that victim thing of like why does this stuff keep happening to me um but you're right that first action of the next thing it propels you into a whole different thing and and before you know it that time's gone and so you're right yeah. you just have to get back up but why tennis what made you get into tennis for for the benefit of the listener why was that the sport for you uh, I'm not sure I had a choice because it was something that my father wanted me to do. Yeah. Uh, and and, and uh, he bought me my very first tennis racket when I was six. But I think it was my uh, genuine love and passion for the game that kept me going. And uh, it was just from that first moment that I ever hit a, that first tennis ball. And I remember when I was little and, and I was training when I started, I loved it. I genuinely loved everything about it. I loved the fact that it was individual, as I said, I was always quite, you know, competitive even when I was young. So I like that side of it. But, um, yeah, look, it's just a real love and passion of mine. And at times it was really difficult to be on the tour and, and try and be a, you know, top-level professional athlete. Um, and it was hard to be out there on the court when you're dealing with mental health stuff. But it kept me going. Mm -hmm. And it's something that even even today, sometimes, you know, you're not always having a great day, but I'll get out on the tennis court even for 20 minutes. It will make me it will make me feel better. So I think uh, what got me through in the end was um, just a genuine love and passion 
for for the game. And has it been, because I've always wondered this, has it always been a consistent love for tennis despite everything you've been through? Has a tennis love maintained you the whole way through or has it kind of faltered here and there? Well, look, it was hard here and there because of what I was going through and you kind of feel like you're going through it because of tennis because that's yeah, what that's what I thought. Yeah, because yeah, that's what my father was focusing on, that, mm. that whole goal of, oh, you're going to be an amazing tennis player because that's the way out for the family. So later also when things got really tough, it was hard to be on the tour while you're battling depression and anxiety. So you're going actually out, out, out there on the court, not being able to really perform at your best or train the way that you should. Uh, you're maybe losing more than you should. So you kind of start to not really enjoy it on the court. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I always really just found that um, I want to try and get back up and I, I want to get back out there. So, yeah. Uh, yes, of course, there's been tough moments, even with tennis, where you kind of feel like, oh, I'm really not sure I can do this anymore. I want to do it. I'm not enjoying it. But that's that, that's only really, you know, here and there temporary. That love for the games always stayed. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's just something that no matter how hard sometimes it was because of because of, of tennis, I've always um, I've always continued to have that that passion for it. Well, you've brought your family out of poverty. You did that. And so sometimes I just get, like when I was reading about just your dad in general, um, just get so angry because it's like this is what you did for your whole family, but there is, there's no grateful or whatever on the other side of that. But when you were at school, um, you were talking about, you touched upon bullying and racism and discrimination. What happened there? Was that because of your accent, um, what, what, you know, or the lack of not knowing the language? What happened? Oh, look, I think, not really sure um, where it comes from. I, I was bullied at school. Um, yeah, I, I just went through a phase um, where I was, yeah, I just wasn't one of those popular kids. Um, you know, I think maybe sometimes when you're when you're moving from place to place and then you just get to a place where you just don't fit in. I didn't have that problem early on in my childhood, but um, later on, you know, I did. Um, so... Yeah, I think it, I used to have a little mark here and I used to be bullied for that at school and they used to call me names, for example, because of that. So, yeah, that wasn't um, that wasn't uh, actually very easy. And then, um, yeah, just uh, I guess I don't know why that happened. I don't know why you get bullied, it's, to be honest. Yeah. So do we ever know why you get bullied? No, I don't know. It can be do. like a, the yeah. simpler, littlest thing and kids can be yeah. cruel and you just have, you know, obviously you can't control it, but... As a yeah. child, you don't understand that, right? So you would ask yourself, you know, why, why, you know, why me? So you, did you stay at the yeah. same school in Fairfield Fair, you, when you went in Sydney in Fairfield or did you move around <laughs> schools? No, no, I stayed in the same school. Um, yeah, so I went to Fairfield Primary and then Fairfield High School. So, yeah, I stayed in the same school. Uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, it was just that phase um, that I went through that and, um yeah, look, it was hard to take. I'm not, not going to lie. I'm not going to say, oh, it's okay, it's fine, I got over it. So, yeah, I, I was affected by it and, it, you know, it was hard to make friends and, um, yeah, it was not easy. And then, I, you know, same thing, I, I talk in the book about, you know, some kind of difficult moments going through getting up in the, in the tennis community as well, a little bit of what I faced. And, um, yeah, same thing. I think at the end of the day, um Again, you know, you just don't know why that happens. It, it does. And that's why um, I think it's so important to just have more, I think, kindness and more empathy um, towards people. It's just such a big thing. And sometimes, you know, you, you'll see on social media a lot of, you know, kind that we talk about kindness and being, you know, nice to people and actually genuinely doing that. But I, uh, yeah, I genuinely believe in um in uh, in being kind to other people and not putting anyone down and not going down that road. I think it's just such a, um, just such a, it's, it's because I've been there and because I've yeah. gone through it, uh, it's just such a difficult thing to take. You really at times feel crushed emotionally yeah. when when you're going through that and, and you, you're, you're doing, you're causing so much hurt and so much pain to another human being. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that can be very difficult to take. And then we talked about pain and trauma earlier on. And this is something that for people, um, it, it leaves, you know, lifetime Absolutely. scars. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so, um, it's so hard to take. It has an effect again on your confidence and self-esteem going forward, especially as a kid. 
Absolutely. And the fact that we're talking about it now, we know, and I've had similar experiences like with racism and stuff like that, you carry it for the rest of your life. And Mm -hmm. it's as simple as a comment or throwaway comment or whatever, not thinking it you can carry it. This is why, though, I feel like social media can also be quite negative because um, it's, you know, I feel like it's an easier platform for people not to be kind because they're not actually face-to-face with people. So they just, whatever frustration and anger or whatever they're feeling from lockdown or whatever it is, they just start to get onto that bullying stuff. And on that topic, um, I know you and I have personally spoken about this, but um, you were fat-shamed. yeah, you know, quite yeah. publicly and quite viciously. How did you mm-hmm. navigate that? You know, I mean, because all of us as women just generally, and I, I've had the same thing happen to me as well, just through being a woman, I'm an emotional eater personally. And so, and my mummy is, my auntie is, my sister is, we've got weight mm-hmm. issues within our family. And when I'm going through a bad time, I put on weight because it's my comfort food and whatever, mm-hmm. and I don't have to justify it to anyone. Um, mm-hmm. But last year specifically, I had a medical uh, issue and I put on some weight. And because I was on a show, you could see the weight gain and I was just harassed for that um, and rude comments, mm-hmm. like really nasty comments about my breasts and things like that. And I found that really crushing. I just did not believe, I couldn't believe that people really cared that much about physicality. So mm-hmm. with you, how did you navigate that? Oh, look, uh, I feel really strong um, about this because I've, uh, you know, not just because I've gone through it and I've seen other people go through it and I've done posts on this and I did one earlier this year actually during the Australian Open in February. They got a lot of, they got a lot of attention and traction and everyone was, um, uh, you know, reposting it and everything because the same like you, you know, I've had, I'm an emotional leader. I've gone through things in, um, you know, in my, in my life. And I never used to actually have that problem when I was younger. It, it creeped up later when I started battling depression. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, a lot of um, emotional eating comes from pain and trauma, actually. And what people Absolutely. have gone through and they find comfort, it's their safety net. Uh, that's what I'm trying to work through as well. And, um, uh, what is it's just again if we come back to kindness it's actually you know 90% of people that do have a, a problem you know with eating or emotional eating it comes from something that they've gone through and Absolutely. and something significant and something that's actually hurt them mm-hmm. and something that there uh, was a lot of um, pain there something that they're still scared of and they mm-hmm. find comfort in food so um, to go and then be, I, I look, to be honest with you, I, it's not just mean, it's ignorant because you, you just, if you actually educate yourself even just a little bit, you will find that those people that usually have those issues, they go through a lot. There's a lot of um, pain, uh, pain and trauma Absolutely. behind that and a lot of actually fear and that's what they find in food. They, can't, they find the solace. So I feel really strongly about this because the comments of just our, Look at look at her. She's just ballooned so much, and then this uh, um, uh, crying, laughing emoji. Yeah. I mean, it's like, is that really funny? Have you not thought for one second maybe what's behind that? Maybe, and also just your comment, even if there's nothing behind it, um, th- does you know, is your comment going to actually hurt someone deeply? Yeah. Is that necessary? You know, so I just find it. I'm re- I feel really strongly about this, and and I'll continue to speak up about it, not just because I'm someone that has gone through that and that's battled that. And it'll be something that I'll still, you know, battle for the next few years. I have to be aware of that. And, and I know what my trigger points are, but it's, you know, just because, you know, are we really looking at someone's worth and how yeah. good of a person they are based on their weight or based on their size? I find that that's just so, um, it makes me really actually um, angry that that's how we are, you know, looking at whether someone is, why are we looking at someone, whether they are kind, whether they're genuinely good human being, whether they're doing good things out there, whether they are, you know, we're looking at at someone and then basing their worth on on their weight and on their size and the way that they look physically. I I just find that um, really, uh, I find it disturbing and I find it really frustrating and I get very, um, I get very, uh, I get emotional about it, but I also get very angry about it. And I think that's why my post, again, it's just something that came out in that moment. And I said, look, this is the way that I feel. Um, it was a long post. It was, it all came from the heart of actually how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think people again resonate with it because, um, it, it's just, 
very genuine and and you can I think probably you can see the emotion there of how I feel about it and just I feel very strongly about hurting another human being Uh, again probably because I've gone through what I've gone through previously with bullying and with war and you you see a lot and and you realize just how much kindness and empathy, how much it means to people. Again, with war, we see that you have to be, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to fight for your life, but also you're trying to actually help another person sometimes as well, you know, that's yeah. going through the same thing and you're trying to, uh, that's what we had and you try and come become close with someone else. So, yeah, I feel very strongly about, you know, body shaming and fat shaming and, uh, you know, especially from people, I think, on social media and, and behind, you know, computers yeah, and keyboards yeah. and also that do not, you know, take one second just to think about what it might do to someone else or what someone might be going through. You just don't know. So, yeah, absolutely. I feel very strongly about that. No, I'm, I'm absolutely with you because I also think, like, women generally cop it much more than men do right. and it perpetuates this value of a woman based on their physicality. I don't want that for me and I don't want that for other women. So when you speak up on it, it's like, yes, I agree with you. And what's sadder sometimes is, is when it's women doing it. It's like you as a woman should understand all of the things mm-hmm. that we go through and how difficult it actually is to be a woman in mm-hmm. this world. And you want to perpetuate that. But you're right. There is pain yeah, behind the and person it, that does it and projection as well, you know. Yeah, and when I, so I've had my, you know, um, obviously weight loss journey as well. And I was, when I started it, um, I was very honest. I said, look, I, uh, this is what happened. You know, I'm an emotional eater. I've gone through things. I've definitely, you know, it's affected me, um, you know, and I, I was very open about where I was. I, I post pictures of where I was at my worst. And I was like, you know, again, I'm being very open, honest and vulnerable and raw. And yes, some people might find it, oh, you know, oh, geez, what happened? You know, even when they're trying to be kind, it's like, okay, you know, what happened? Uh, How did she, you know, what drove her to that? And I was like, you know, that's okay, because I know that others are going through it. So I was like, you know what, this is again, going to help someone probably. So if I can come out and be open about it and honest because usually we're trying to just um you know some of the things that we might be scared of we try not to talk about them or put them out there so I was like you know what I'm going to be honest and open up where I am I'm trying to do this but you know I never went into it okay I want to lose weight because you know um I want to look amazing and I want to be skinny. It's not about that. I wanted to actually genuinely feel better and do it for my health right so that was my whole thing but you know, I took them on a, I, I think I took everyone on a journey of, look, this happens, that's fine. Um, you know, if people can look at me as someone who, again, has a platform and is going through something, I think they're going to find inspiration in it. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, and I think they're going to find motivation in it as well. Maybe mm-hmm. I can help someone as well. Maybe we can do it together. But also um, I think it's about putting it out there and, and, and showing, especially women, I feel mm-hmm. like, um, that, it's okay. Like we, it happens. We can get through it. We can, we can even do it together. And I think, again, I'm making people feel more comfortable about some of these things and some of these issues that we don't talk about a lot, you know? I think it's especially mm. brave because um, you're, an, you're an athlete as well. And so it makes you feel like, you know what, even if an athlete can kind of go through something like this, then why do I feel so bad about going through this myself? You know, like this is a real thing. These are problems. We're dealing with it all from a holistic point of view. And you're right about being the honest and gentle. Like this is why I think you're just so much more than a commentator. You've been really busy this year. You've done the French Open. You've done Wimbledon. And just I watch you. I listen to you. Obviously an expert in your field in the tennis as well. But you're so real and in the moment, like you said, you just something comes out and it's just you and then you're right, it goes viral. And the reason why it goes viral is because so many people connect with it. Like when you spoke about mm-hmm. Ashbardi's parents and the support that she received from her family, which you didn't receive, and a lot of people don't. They don't have a good upbringing. They don't have, um, a, you know, supportive parents. They don't have that. And when you said that, it's just kind of like some people would have been like, yeah, that's like, you know, that's like me. And, you know, that's amazing for Ash. But um, for you to just be so open about it is what makes you so special. Mm-hmm. And when did you know that you had um, depression? Like how did you, did someone 
say it to you? Did someone say, hey, you should maybe speak to your GP? Or was there like a straw that broke whatever they say on the camel's back? Like what? what, what? Yeah, no. I, well, at first I actually didn't know what was going on because it's not um, something I actually, to be honest, even knew about. And uh, I'm also from the type of family where none of that stuff would ever even be discussed it's not really something that's you know um, that they probably I can even say believing I don't know whether that's the right word but you know what I mean it's like not something that exists um so I didn't know at first but I just started feeling really um I started feeling really flat I had no absolutely no motivation um to do anything I had no energy and it was you know at first I thought oh maybe yeah, I'm just fatigued from everything. I just left home and, and I was still, you know, there was a lot going on and, and still quite fearful and, and, you know, with everything that's going on with my father. So I thought, oh, you know, maybe it's all just taking a bit of a toll um, because on top of that, trying to be a professional athlete can be really difficult and especially with tennis because we travel 10 months a year to compete. So I, I kind of thought it was all maybe just a little bit too much and, and I was just a little bit tired, but it just continued. I got to a stage where, you know, uh, for someone that's very um, energetic, uh, I was sleeping, you know, 14 hours a day. And it was something that I was like, oh, that's, that's not right. Something is not right. It's not normal. Uh, I had absolutely no motivation to do anything. Um, I didn't want to get out of bed at all. Um, you know, it was just all getting too much. And I was getting, actually, I could really feel that's where I kind of, uh, I think, realized what was going on after about maybe a year, year and a half that I was just getting really, really um, sad about everything that Mm. kind of happened. And I think, uh, you know, with having PTSD, it was starting to really affect me, all that um, kind of trauma and and pain. So, yeah, I I think uh, I, I knew I kind of had it, but then I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know what to do. I was, I was also starting to have some anxiety issues and then it took a little bit of time for me to actually realize, okay, should I talk to someone? Should I get some help? How do I go about this? You know, what's the best way to, to deal with this? So it's not easy because you go in this for me anyway. And I, I think a lot of people are similar that deal with that. You're in this vicious cycle of, of trying to um, you know, trying to fix it and you think, oh, maybe there's a quick fix and maybe this will go away in six months, but it doesn't. Anyone that's had depression knows it, it's, it, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of work to deal with that. And actually you got to be, you know, you kind of have to be careful for the rest of your life and aware of trigger points. Absolutely. And it's something that you really have to work Manage. on um, yep. and be, yeah, and be aware of. So, yeah, look, I did. I talked to people. I talked to psychologists and I, and I went and I got help. Um, at the same time, at times I was trying to deal with it just by myself um, and people that were around me. Uh, took some time even away from the court but yeah look <laughs> it was a lot of back and forth and t- time I felt like I took two steps forward then two steps back and I felt like I was in the same spot and it's definitely something that takes time there's no there's no quick fix it's not going to go away qu- uh, quickly but I think you just have to realize that um, and that was hard for me at times that uh, you got to find I think something to fight for that's what I try to look at you know I felt the times you know, I don't want to be here anymore. It's not worth it. I have nothing left. I have nothing to fight for, but there's always something. And I think that that's what you have to find. I think you have to identify also what's causing you, what got you into that um, position, that state, what's causing the pain and the fear and distress and and trauma. Um, And then from there, uh, I think it's a day at a time. It's something that it takes time to obviously heal, but it's a day at a time. You literally, you can't look a month ahead or two weeks ahead. You literally have to get through today and then see what tomorrow brings. It might be better, but also the day after that might not be. So it's about taking it, um, taking a day at a time and knowing that, you know, you will get stronger as you go on. Yes, it will be hard. It will take time. But um, I think it's just about, you know, very, very small steps identifying what might work for you. For some people, meditation works. For other people, it's, you know, literally talking to someone that's neutral, that's, you know, just looking at it from the outside and talking to them two or three times a week. For me, that helped for a while because I I was able to get it all out to someone. Um, So I think you have to try a few different things and try and identify 
what works and then you know but also believe in, in trying a few different things as well I think that's so powerful and especially because you've been so open about um, your, your struggles with depression but also um, you know going to the brink of wanting to commit suicide and this is something that um, I don't know if you feel the same way but during this these lockdowns especially I feel like we're not talking about that enough like we're talking about mental health and saying you know mm. it's hard and, and all of that but there are a lot of people that are living on their own or are in financial ruin because of this and they are approaching that point how did you claw your way back from that did you you were saying you were going through it alone um we know that you've got you've been with Tim for 17 years haven't yeah you? yeah so yeah, but, but, but but in saying that but in saying that, even though you've been with him for 18 years sometimes depression does feel like you're alone even you even if mm-hmm. you're with someone and in a relationship with someone how did you yeah. find your way back from that point um, look, I, for me, again, I felt like I really needed to go and talk to someone. Yeah. And even though obviously Tim has been great support and he's been there through everything and he really had a lot of understanding for it and he was trying to um, find ways how he can help, um, I really um, I really found, for me, I found a lot of comfort in, in, in talking about it and talking about it. even not just maybe going to um, you know, a psychologist or uh, for me, it was talking to people that were close to me that I really felt comfortable with. Um, I found a lot of, um, I just found that that really helped getting it out for me mm-hmm. always felt like you've got a lot of weight off my shoulders, you know? Um, and that was one thing for me that I couldn't do early on because I kind of kept all that pain and trauma inside and I felt like I couldn't talk about it and I didn't want to talk about it. And he felt like, oh, I just want to bury it and I, I, I don't want to discuss it because that will be, that's how it's going to go away. Mm. But for me, for example, it was actually the opposite. The more I talked about it and I was trying to get it out, the better it was. That's, yeah. how, um, that's how when I started actually dealing with certain things of, um, you know, why things happen and certain things that you have to realise you can't change. You know, you've got to adapt yourself to the situation that you're in certain things and people you can't change mm. um and and you just have to move on and leave it in the past and and it's a bit more about the future and I think for me it was also you know that that part of my life and that past and and mm. the actions of other people don't define me you know yes. I can move forward I can move forward and try and create something better that's yes. that's going to be me and my own and this is not going to define who I am so yeah, it's been, I think, a, a process Huge. and a lot yeah, of, like of, of learning. To I'm get just here. in. I, I'm in awe of you. One of the most shocking things I read in your book was um, your dad beating you unconscious, like mm-hmm. after. And 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 you're right. Your your circumstances and what happens to you does not define you. How did you make peace, and how have you made peace with that figurehead in your life? Like when you when you when you release the book. You didn't have to, but did you give that person, give your dad a heads up or have you, or did you speak to him after that? Or were you scared of what he might do after that? How did you navigate that part? Um, no, I didn't talk to him because I, I didn't talk to him for actually for a while um, yeah. before the book even came out. So that whole situation, I tried to, um, over the years, I tried to, uh, talk to him and try to, you know, kind of nav- navigate through what, what, you know, what I went through and try and start from zero and try and reconcile. But it never really um, kind of worked because I think it's very hard to have a relationship with someone that has no, not even a, you know, a little bit of remorse for everything that happened. Um, and, you know, when you're going through that much abuse, like I went through and, you know, cause you read my book yeah. um, of how extreme and, and how violent that was. Um, it is, um, it's very hard to start kind of over and, and start from zero with someone where they just don't think they did anything wrong, you know, and where they, they have no remorse and, and kind of they say, oh, you know, maybe at times I went overboard, but, um, you know, at the same time, you know, they, they kind of feel like they did the right thing. So that's hard yeah, to, that's it, reconcile that and not, and then obviously you have to work on the fact that you can't, 
you can't get that from another person. You have to make peace with yeah. that within yourself, you know. Yeah. So for me, I, it, took, it actually took a while yeah. for a few years. I didn't understand why and I constantly wanted to start from zero. But I think you get to a stage as you get older as well and more mature, you get to a stage where I think you have to start to live things in the past and you yeah. got to... Um, take care of your your life now and the people that are in your life that actually do care about you and love you and um, I think the closer I get to having my own family I I realize you know you don't need people like that in your life I have to leave that behind Mm -hmm. Um, I can't change you know who he is or his actions and what happened Um, and I can't try and force someone you know to be sorry or to want to have a relationship or to have remorse it is I think you get to a stage where it, it is what it is you leave that in the past. You can't change certain people and their actions. You can only move forward and look to the future. And that's what I, that's what I try to do. Yeah. And on that note, like I was like the positive stuff. So what do you think is a career highlight for you? You've had so many. Was it when you bet Martina Hingis was when you were number four in the world? Was it the Olympics? What was it for you? Um, you know, that's there's so many that at times it's really um it's really yeah, hard for me to pick. I think I think being an Olympian at the Sydney Olympics in yes. two thousand, yeah, um, that was um that was amazing, and and just being a part of that at home and and still you know finishing fourth at the Olympics and the opening ceremony I will never forget. Um, so from that perspective, that's such a big highlight. But um, yeah, I think mm. I don't know. Um, so many. It's a, a good result- good problem to have. So many career yeah. highlights. You know. Yeah, there are. You know, my time at Wimbledon and and, and doing well there, big run at the Australian Open that I had in 2009. Yeah, my win over Hingis at Wimbledon when I was just 16 is still one of the biggest upsets in Tennessee Street to this day. So (laughs) there's been quite a few, I would say. That was wonderful. And then what about personal highlight? What would you say was one of your personal highlights to date? Life is long, Um, not much more to live, but to date. Yeah, look, I think I would have to say my relationship with Tim, you know, 18 years together. It's such an achievement. Yeah, we've been together since we were 20 and we are so... Um, we're the same, literally. We 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 just complement each other, and I think I'm very you know proud of that, proud of us, not you know of me, but but us. I think that's my and our biggest achievement of being together and making it through everything together. Even when we were so young, we had no idea what we were doing and and dealing with all those tough situations at you know as twenty year olds. So. Yeah. Um, that's something uh, I'm extremely proud of. And uh, I would say, um, yeah, and I would have to say my book because it's changed my life um, completely, you know, 180 from from where I was. And um, in a way also just really brought me back um, as a person, you know. Mm-hmm. And I would have to say, um, yeah, those two things. But I'm also... <laughs> If I can have one more, I'm proud yeah. of my relationship with my, with my brother because, um, oh, yeah, he's a lot younger and, and um, you know, at times, obviously, uh, talk about that in the book, my, my father manipulated that relationship and not yeah. being able to see him for a, for a long time. So, yeah, I'm proud. We have such a great relationship, Dean, my brother and I, and, um, yeah, we get along so well. They get along so well. They're like um, two peas in a pod, so I'm very proud of that. I saw something where you were like, and it gave me full-on, like, travelling FOMO of you going to create Croatia with your brother and um your uh with with Tin and to see Mum Liliana and uh, and the fact that you guys can travel together obviously means you've got a great little connection little combo trio how did you meet Tin I I don't think I know how you met Um, each other yeah we met accidentally actually at a tournament um in Europe so um yeah I was actually being coached by his brother um for a little while for a few years and uh, yeah he just came um when I started working with um obviously his brother um my coach at the time and he just came to one of the tournaments and that's how we so met basically beautiful yeah yeah it was almost like it was meant to be so yeah and was, then 18 um, years on that is probably I would say one of the most wonderful things and such a great achievement well done and congratulations and what are you looking yeah. forward to is there anything you're looking for I did read an article I don't know if it was clickbait or not but um something about you and Tim potentially starting a family I don't want to put it out there yeah. but um yeah what are you looking yeah. forward to um, well, after all our uh, heavy subjects, um, we can yeah. uh, turn yeah, it to a bit of positivity. Yeah, um, uh, yeah look, I, I still feel like I want to 
uh, try a lot of different things. Uh, I'm very you know, passionate about the things that I do on TV, all my commentary expanding. And motivational speaking is such a big part of what I do. So um, that's something that I really want to continue doing a lot of and expand. I want to write another book. That's a big goal of mine. Um, you know, You're first one was all about, yeah, the first one was all about, you know, my life and what I went through. I think the second one is, you know, uh, how did I do it? <laughs> and, and, and again, trying to maybe help someone. So that's just um, one of my ideas. And, uh, and then, yeah, definitely. Um, I would love to, I would love to, um, you know, have, uh, have some kids one day and start a family. That's a big goal of mine because of um, obviously how, what I went through as a, as, a, as a child and the kind of family that I grew up in. So I really want to change that cycle and that's very important to me. But I think the most important thing, uh, you know, those are my, some of my things and, and some of my goals and some of the things that I think would make me, you know, very um, satisfied, but it's all about happiness. I just want to continue yeah. being being happy and, and finding gratitude and being grateful for things and, and um, being healthy. That's all I want for me and, and my closest ones. And, um, you know, take it a day at a time and, and um, just continue, I think, to try and be be happy as much as I can. I think your priorities are 100% correct and in line <laughs> with what I want mine to be as well. I, I thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself, not only just with me today, but in general. I feel like the world is such a richer place with people like you in it. And I think you're so <laughs> inspirational. Elena, and I really Thank appreciate you. your time. Thank you so much today. There you have it, folks. We are the real ones. I hope you've enjoyed my podcast and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can follow me on my Instagram at Sharon Jahal or We Are The Real Ones and sign up for updates on my website at www.sharonjahal.com. Sending love and light to you, but above all, always keeping it real. We are the real ones.